You're listening to the Farmyard Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Farmyard and AFitBelly.com. Episode 69, The Devil We Know. And in this episode, I review a documentary that came out only about a couple of weeks ago. I actually rented it three times because I took such copious notes. This documentary is about DuPont and the water we drink. Let's dig right in. Well, hello there, Linda Borgie from Farmyard, and you, my friends, are just one seed away. I am recording this on such a rainy, rainy day. It's so appropriate that there's so much water coming from the sky because this this um, podcast is just so important to me. I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory. And then I'll get into the info. Evan Folds, who is Farmyard's soil doctor and who was elected for the supervisory position, Soil and Water Conservancy, New Hanover County, North Carolina. I've been uh, friends with him for some time now, and periodically he would speak in reference to Gen X and the Cape Fear River and the lawsuits with DuPont. Well, when the movie came out, the documentary came out, The Devil We Know, I just could not believe it. The picture was all so clear to me, and it is identical to the backstory of the food industry. Now, Like I said, I took copious notes, so if you hear some pages rustling a little bit in the background, that's because I'm turning them. So this documentary were vignettes of how working for DuPont, living near DuPont, living 40 miles away from DuPont, affected their lives, and these vignettes are so powerful. It starts out with a mom, and she's elderly now. Let's say she's in her mid-70s. She's there with her son, reminiscing, looking at baby pictures, his baby pictures. And while she was pregnant, she worked for DuPont in the Teflon lab. Her son was born with half a nose, one nostril, serrated eyelid, and a keyhole pupil where the iris and the retina were not attached. When she heard that they were sending all the pregnant women home, that's when she knew that there was something wrong and there was a cover-up. The mom called DuPont's bluff, and they told her that she was wrong that it was her fault, not the fault of her working for DuPont in the Teflon lab. But she couldn't quit because she needed the income for her sick, sick baby. Her son had 30 operations from the time he was a couple of months old until the age of five. 
So how could a mother quit that job when she needed to take care of that child? In 1997, a farmer sold off a portion of his land to DuPont. And the farmer was told that this land would never have hazardous waste on it. Well, things changed very quickly. In the water, suds was in the water, fish began to die, the animals, his cows started to die, and no vets wanted to get involved. This is in Parkersburg, Virginia. Cows were born with deformities of the eyes. Their teeth were blackened, and no one was going to take a look at what caused this situation for this farmer. So now let's move on to an attorney, a lawyer for DuPont. And he's being questioned. And he has a document in front of him. And it is dated August of 2000. And it's written by this lawyer. And this lawyer's writing this letter to an old army buddy. And this is what it says. And I quote, The shit is about to hit the fan in West Virginia. The lawyer for the farmer finally realized the surfactant issue and is threatening to go to the press to embarrass us. Really? That's what he writes? This corporate attorney is writing this to his old army buddy? So now what happens is that a corporate defense attorney gets the case of the farmer, right? And now he's got this case. He's defending the farmer. And he got access to internal documents and found out that DuPont had been studying this chemical dating back to the 1950s and the 1960s. It's crazy. A former DuPont chemist started in 1981 and his career was spent in the new product development end. Teflon is a generic term. PFOA, PFOS, anything with an F in it you want to be wary of. So 3M went ahead and started to study the PFOA and PFOS commonly called C8, and that is an integral part of making our Teflon pans. 3M notified DuPont of the test results that they found scarring of the eyes in rat fetuses following exposure to C8, and that is why they sent the pregnant women home. They stated no risk to the women, but only to the fetuses. So now we're going to go back to the lawyer for DuPont who writes another letter. This time, it's a letter to his son. And in this letter, he writes, you know, that he's headed back to Parkersburg to explain to the plant folk that the farmer that is suing us over the cattle grazing downstream of our landfill would crucify us before a jury. Most simply, do not believe how big and bad we would look and how sympathetic the farmer would look, even though he is a con man. 
Now, the lawyer was asked directly if he knew how many in the farmer's herd had died, and the lawyer said that he did not. Well, in two years, the farmer lost his entire herd, and this was his livelihood. The farmer settled with DuPont in 2001, got cancer, and died of a heart attack in 2009, age of 67. His wife died of cancer two years later. Now this documentary takes us to the lead toxicologist. DuPont was aware of the CA problem prior to 1977, knowing that this chemical was found in human blood. At first, 3M and DuPont began testing the contamination of their workers' blood, but they needed clean blood to test it against. So they began going to archived blood looking for clean blood. They went all over the world and could not find clean blood. They found clean blood from Army recruits archive at the start of the Korean War prior to the production of Teflon. The likely culprits of this worldwide exposure are number one, industrial waste, and number two, consumer products that shed this material over time. At this time, every baby born has some C8 in their blood. This is lifelong involuntary exposure. But you see, Teflon is not just for cooking. We use it in clothing, tooth floss, airplanes, cars, food wraps, greaseproof wraps, cookie bags, popcorn bags, scotch guard. Teflon was now being produced all over the world. C8 has a long half-life in humans. Sunlight, microbes, heat doesn't break them down. Nothing breaks them down. They called it the devil's piss. It was so potent. Once it gets into your system, it remains in the blood. Their products permeated the living world, and 3M and DuPont both knew all about it. Now we're going to go to Parkersburg, West Virginia, and it's October of 2000. And this is a teacher and his wife. He's a gym teacher. I'd say he's probably in his late 50s, early 60s. And they get a letter from the water company notifying them of the presence of C8 in the water supply. But based on DuPont's research, this was okay levels. No need to worry. No harm. DuPont knows, so it must be safe. Is what everybody thought because it was DuPont. You know, they idolized this company. Now we're going to go back to the mom and her son. Now the mom, when she worked for DuPont, in her job she was isolated. And she worked in a room which with big vats of C8 that would bubble over like a bubble bath, but out of control. Her job was to pump it out 
directly into the water. 3M told DuPont that under no circumstances should the C8 be put in the waterways. It was printed clearly on 3M's material safety data sheet. At the end of the day, DuPont started dumping so much C8 into the waterways that they lost track of actually how much they put out there. DuPont wanted to see how far the C8 had traveled from the plant, so a team went out with plastic jugs and started collecting water samples. They went to general stores miles downriver to collect samples. It traveled far from the plant, and even DuPont's lawyer suggested DuPont tell the public because they were drinking it and bathing in it. Now we're going to go back to that gym teacher. A few weeks after he got the letter, his friend's granddaughter's teeth turned black and his neighbor's dog across the street had tumors like none the vet had ever seen before. Every time he heard of someone getting sick, it was never like a cold or a flu. Instead, it would be testicular cancer. Something just didn't feel right. The letter kept coming back into his head. He started calling around, and no one could give him an answer as to why the C8 was in the water anyway. He got nowhere. He called DuPont and spoke with the head toxicologist for 45 minutes. And when he hung up, he told his wife that he had just been fed the largest line of BS that he had ever had been fed in his lifetime. Very early on in the production of Teflon products, there was a manufacturer in the Midwest that was having problems every time the company would heat up the Teflon, they would hear a pounding noise on the roof, only to discover that when flocks of birds flew over the vent, they would drop out of the sky. By 1984, DuPont knew that the material was going into the Ohio River. It was going up into the air, and they weren't telling the community about it. Now we're going to go to a DuPont worker, and this is February of 2007. This poor man had all his, of his rectum removed and part of his colon. He expresses so deeply how his whole life is completely different that you'll never again sit on a toilet. During his deposition in the court, he was asked if he had anyone else that was sick or died that he knew that he worked with. He named about 30 people that had died that had all been exposed to C8, co-workers, friends, 
and they died hard. Now we're going to go back to the mother and his and her son, and now we're focused on the son. The son is now grown, and he has a wife. And they're reminiscing about their courtship. Now they're, they are awaiting their first child, and they are so concerned about the C8 levels in the young man's bloodstream. His levels are higher than his mom's. And his mom was the one that worked in the plant. There was a 50% chance that his child was going to have everything that he had when he was an infant and would have to go through everything that he went through as a child. This was a very excruciating decision for this young couple to make. Now we're going to go to May of 2000. So in May of 2000, 3M will no longer make Scotchgard because it is persistent in the environment and it gets into our blood. They then continue to notify DuPont that they will no longer make the product which is necessary for DuPont's production of Teflon. When that happened, DuPont rejoiced and declared the king is dead and then began producing C8 in their plant in North Carolina. 3M pledged to phase out C8 by the end of 2002. That very same year, DuPont began producing C8 at its plant in Fayetteville, North Carolina, at the end of 2002. Way back in the 60s, DuPont knew that C8 was toxic. Rob Bolt, who was working on the farmer's case, made the connection when he read that 3M was taking C8 off the market because a similar chemical was dumped into the water on the farmer's property. Then, Ballot, the attorney, sent a letter to the EPA on March of 2001 providing the agency with his findings and to alert the EPA to investigate it. The attorney would fight DuPont on anything that contained C8 and would send all the documents to the EPA as well. DuPont tried to get a gag order on the attorney because they knew he had the goods on C8. Based on the 250 toxicology documents sent to the EPA, DuPont, going back to the 60s, knew the risk of the product. Their own documents showed that there was a toxin, that it was a toxin. By 1988, they started to do cancer studies. Their studies were showing rats were dying, dogs were dying, monkeys were dying, 
testicular tumors, enlargement of the liver, pancreatic tumors. Monkeys at the lowest dose of C8 were dying. And DuPont knew that what we find in primate studies, we will find in the human population. Dumont had classified itself that C8 was a possible animal and human carcinogen. In 2002, the EPA launched a priority review to determine whether C8 should be regulated. We're going to go back to that teacher, folks. This teacher contacted the EPA, and he would, was told that he would receive another letter, and after he read it, he would need to find a lawyer. The letter was information on the farmer's case. And what struck him was that the animal's teeth turned black. And he remembered that grandchild's teeth turning black. So he called that attorney. Only to find out that the original letter that he received was in fact a legal letter. As when two years passed, so did the statute of limitations. Now, the attorney takes on the case and the teacher needs to decide whether or not to have a class action suit or settle. The teacher chose a class action suit, which was a sacrifice because this town was filled with loyal DuPonters. Parkersburg was totally supported by DuPont. People idolized DuPont in Parkersburg. In 1984, the DuPont CEO admitted that they had been liable for over 30 years. And they made a money decision. DuPont concluded that if they launched something new, it would cost them a lot of money. They decided to stick with C8 because... C8 is the devil we know. It all boiled down to economics. Let's just ignore the situation and continue using C8 because no one is going to force us to stop it. It's called externalizing costs. DuPont re reaps the profit. We reap the loss externalizing costs so what do you think about that oh just makes me so angry actually and I'm not an angry person but I don't like to be considered in those kind of ploys well I'm going to end this podcast here because this documentary was so intense and I'm only halfway through it so that's why this is part one of the devil we know. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've gotten some valuable information. If you have, please download and subscribe and leave us a comment. We love when you leave us comments. And go on over to a fit belly 
and find out how to remove up to 74% of the weed killer roundup in your belly. Well, that's all for now, brown cow. I will once again catch you on the flip side. And until then, grow healthy people.